Nice. All right. Well, Ready? Starting the strokes already. Early bird catches a worm. Early bird catches a worm. Can't teach a new dog. Can't teach a new dog old tricks. Can't teach. John, are you ready? I probably won't be talking most of this. Are we re-recording? Uh, oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sure. All right. Welcome to Bay Floor Discussions, episode 21. we got uh, Saturday, June 18th. Uh, let's see. What do we got? Eric. Ed, the founder of this thing. John, co-founder. Brian. Co-host Eric, co-host, couple special guests today. Uh, I will uh, let them introduce themselves, and we'll go from there. Didn't see that bus coming. <laughs> <laughs> right over you. Yeah, um, Adam Thacker, um, chaplain for the New England Veterans Reserve Corps, chaplain for a couple local fire departments, and uh, also chief of Stolen Rescue, and uh, chaplain and crisis care team navigator for Stevens Memorial Hospital. Nice. Welcome. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for having us. Mike Zullo, pastor of the Bridgeton Alliance Church in Bridgeton. I'm the chaplain for the Bridgeton Fire Department and the Bridgeton Police Department. Also a firefighter. Awesome. It's good to be here. Thanks for coming in, guys. It's quite the resume for both of you. I know. <laughs> Maybe we'll just let them talk and we'll, we'll right? sit back and not screw this one up. I don't know. <laughs> well, this is it. it really interesting episode for me because i'll be completely honest um i mean we had a chaplain here um and he hasn't been around for a while that i know of right? yeah he's still on the roster but <clears throat> um, wise right yeah health wise has <clears throat> slowed him yeah, down quite a bit a step back yeah so uh for myself and those that don't really know explain what you you do on the fire department all right well uh let me let me just start by saying, you know, being the the chaplain was one of those. Uh, we, we need a chaplain, and you're the pastor that we know. So <laughs> you're it. Tag you're it. Oh, timeout. It's tone test. Forgot about that. Nine o'clock. Because we actually started on time. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, that's never happened. We never started on time. So, <laughs> hey, there's a first for everything. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so Bridgeton was uh, in a transitional period without a chaplain, and uh, the chief called me because it was a morning where there was a fire in town, and it was actually the first uh, the first fatal fire that Bridgeton had, had in about 15 years. Oh wow. And I'm guessing the chief just didn't want to talk to the family, uh, wanted the chaplain. We didn't have one. He called me, came down to the scene. He's like, raise your right hand, that sort of thing. Yeah. You know, you're the chaplain. Now go talk to the family. <laughs> like, okay. Uh, so that was interesting. Mm. So a couple of things that, you know, went, went from there. Soon after I got invited by the chief of police, after a standoff in town with someone that I had been uh, in contact with through my church I was helping out. He had barricaded himself in a hotel and uh, 
his mom says, well, he knows the, the pastor in town. Why don't you call him? And they called me, and I sat across the street in the police cruiser for four hours and try and talk this gentleman out of the barricaded hotel. Shortly after that, they said, hey, you want to be our chaplain? So it was almost like we have a crisis and we need a chaplain. We don't have one. Uh, and you'll do. <laughs> <laughs> so that bus, that bus theory. It was kind of like yeah. a lack of options. <laughs> but then I guess the guys took to me, and, and you know, most of them like me. Nice. <laughs> At least they say that to my face. Right. Uh, but it, it's been an interesting ride for the last probably two and a half years, I think, I've been doing this. Awesome. Nice. And then one of the guys on the fire department, I asked the, the question I never should have asked is, you know, how can it be more helpful? Because I'm on scene all the time uh, as a chaplain. And I, I said, you know, Jay, how can I be more helpful on scene? He's like, well, you can be a firefighter. I was like, oh. All right, that's a good idea. Where do I sign? <laughs> so I joined the fire and department. And he giggled the whole time, right? <laughs> he has yeah, no he, idea. He certainly did. Sign here, 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 and here. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, this is, this is what you'll be doing. I was like, okay. But a later in the episode, hopefully I get a chance to, to talk about some of the calls that I've been on that have really made a difference in the lives of the firefighters and people and the families and and acting as a dual role as a firefighter and a chaplain can be a challenge. Uh, but so it's, how it's many years? Thing. How many years now for the fire side of things? Yeah, I knew you were going to ask me that. <laughs> I, I think I'm going on three. Yeah. Yeah, nice. I'm not really keeping nice. track. I think it's three years now. Awesome. Very cool. And yourself? How about you? Mine was similar but different. Um, <laughs> I grew up in a fireman's house. Uh, my dad was deputy chief for. I think he started a couple of years after Noah landed. Um, <laughs> but I got into crisis intervention system before I got into the pastorate and the uh, chaplaincy. Just a bunch of really bad fires and that really affected me and the crew I worked with. Um, and I, I had a desire to do more, to give back, to help with firemen and, you know, that made me more cognizant of the need. But it wasn't until um, I got up here to Maine, because obviously I'm from a little south of Kittery. You're not from around here. <laughs> yeah. I'm, play, I'm playing the away game. Um, Never would have guessed. No, no. That's a weird Canadian accent. Yeah, right. right. <laughs> a, little, a little bit of a twist on it. Um, so kind of in, in this in this sense, it's a little similar to Chaplain here. Um, Pastor Norway Baptist Church, been there for eight years, and um, it started with Stoneham Rescue. Um, the previous chief came to me. They had some guys that were dealing with some things, and he just came up to me and said, Hey, I know you're a chaplain or a pastor over Norway, and you live in town. Would you mind helping some of my guys out? And I, sure, yeah, don't mind helping. And Dennis Yates done the same thing. He's like, Hey, I got a guy that's dealing with some things. you mind to help out? And that kind of snowballed that. And, um, sheriff's department and dispatch was dealing with some with a really tough call and they ended up reaching out to me from Oxford County and so kind of that snowball effect right um, and then uh, the fire departments I'm working with found out my background and badgered me forever hey why don't you get back into it uh, uh, okay it's like putting crack back in front of an attic so. <laughs> oh wait I wasn't supposed to say that sorry <laughs> So, so how many years for you then? 
I'm 20 years public safety. Yeah. Uh, firefighter, rescue tech, diver. Nice. Six years in Army. Nice. So neither one of you wanted to be a chaplain from the beginning or ever thought of that. You kind of get sucked into it by getting approached. Yeah. I never thought about being a chaplain. I had a desire for crisis intervention, but never the chaplain side. Yeah, same with me. Yeah. Huh. Wow. But it sounds like you, it's not only um, moments of crisis, but also if somebody's just having um, just all, all around kind of struggles that can reach out to you as well. Absolutely. And, and if I can jump on that one, yep, that's something that really kind of sticks to me. Um, I don't know if it, that stigma's up here is as, as bad as it was down south where I'm from, but the chaplain was always, he's, he's just there or, you know, who's ever just there. If there's a LODD or some type of death, that's when the chaplain's seen. Other, other than that, they're kind of, you know, breaking case of this. Right. But a chaplain is really an all-around person for mental health of the department. And that, that's the go-to person. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sure it's the same in Bridgeton as it is the departments I work at. You know, you develop that rapport with your guys, your, your people, and they end, they end up realizing, you know, the chief doesn't have to navigate them to you. They end up saying, hey, I'm having a bad day. I can go talk to chap, you know, and it's kind of that off-key, offline thing. Nobody has to know about it. Day-to-day -day things, but it builds from that to being not just the firehouse, but back to the house. There's been times when I've talked to the family, when I mm. wouldn't talk to wives or to children to help them understand things. And that's really where, at least in my mind, a chaplain is really used to their fullest, is being able just to, to be a part of the family to the fullest. Mm. Awesome. I think, I, I think it's changing though, kind of like as, as we discuss more like the mental health aspect and mm. and you know, self-awareness and well-being I think that's I, I I can see where that's turning more into man we just had a fatal fire and we need to talk to somebody to any you know I've had a rough week right. <laughs> or a rough day Not you know really. which is yeah. it, it's cool it's it's awesome to see right absolutely I mean 20 years ago we wouldn't have been having this conversation right right, right? <clears throat> so. excuse me as I try to talk <laughs> I went into a place I wasn't supposed to go yesterday my sister's house caught on fire and uh, there was a picture of my grandparents and then like a um, I don't know what you call it basically my grandparents gave them this wooden painting of like the last supper so I did something I wasn't supposed to do in shorts and a t-shirt and got it <laughs> what's amazing though is like everything was lost is that that picture of my grandparents and then that little mosaic type of thing wasn't harmed touched not yeah. touched so we went in and got it so that was awesome yeah. <clears throat> now i'm suffering the effects of not wearing my gear so don't do that <laughs> right. um but we we've talked about the mental health aspect and unfortunately around in this area we don't have we rely more on like the psychological aspects of it because when we have a tough call we reach out to our resources, Cumberland County, their uh, SISM team and stuff like that. Like we don't have the spiritual aspect of it around here. And that's kind of interesting to me that Bridgeton, where was, I'm sorry, Stoneham? Stoneham in Norway, in Oxford County. I'm sorry. Um, <laughs> yeah, well. But it, that's interesting. I mean, have you guys seen like a ship, do they still call in like the big teams to handle the psychological aspects or do they just rely on you 
as chaplains to handle uh, as far kind of as, all of it. As far as Bridgeton goes, we've yeah. never had any outside. And that works well for you? It, it yeah. does for nice. me, yeah. yeah. Nice. For my, for my guys, it just depends on the nature of the situation. Yeah. If uh, if it's small scale enough, and you know, I can deal with some just a couple one on ones, we will. Yeah. If it's more of a large scale incident, more people involved, then we'll certainly get SISM involved. Yep. Nice. Nice. And do you get a lot of buy in with the whole uh, spiritual aspect of it from your members? A lot of my guys will. Yeah. Oh, good. Sweet. I've not had a lot of pushback on my end. Yeah. No, me neither. Nice. Yeah, it's uh, yeah. the great thing about the chaplaincy and the fire department is, well, one, we're across all faith barriers. You know, yeah, I was going to say that. It, it probably doesn't, you know, it, it's not that, um, you know, <coughs> strictly Catholic or strictly Protestant Correct. or Baptist. It, it's, oh, no, if it, you're a person, it, you qualify. I was that's exactly trying to figure was, out how to phrase that. That's, that's, like that's that. what I was going to say is, you know, it, it doesn't... It, we all have different thoughts and, and concepts on it, but it really, when it comes down to it, <clears throat> it doesn't it doesn't matter. Right. Which and is the conversations yeah. always are completely confidential, mm. which is one of the things I think that makes people feel really comfortable that they can yeah. talk to the chaplain, and the chaplain's not going to run back to the chief and report, you know, what what this person yeah. was saying, talking about feeling whatever. Yeah. So there's a, a feeling of safety and. I'm yeah, sure absolutely. it's the same for you, Adam. Yeah. We, we protect that. Yeah, absolutely. We, yeah. we protect that. You know. yeah, I guard that avidly. But I think that's very careful. That's an important topic to bring up because I, I would never think to go to a chaplain because I'm not, I'm not typically a, a spiritual person. So, that's my first thought is that they they handle just the the spiritual side of things. I'm not going to go talk to them about how I'm feeling about a call or something like that just because, I. That's why I asked the question. I didn't really know hmm. what the participation was in the department or in the community, honestly. So I think that's that's an important thing for people to know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, if I can jump on there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I've got a guy, um, my, my full-time occupation outside of the church is I work at Pace Paramedic Service. There's a guy there that has come to me a few times, um, and he, for terminology's sake is an agnostic which simply just means he said he believes that you can't you can't know anything there's no way you can define anything but he'll come to me because he's not there for that he's there to get help yeah. he's there to talk to someone because the beginning of the conversation wherever it leads it's a human being needing help it's no different than when that tone that's, goes that's off it. and we jump on the truck yeah. It's a human being needing help. So do you see a difference from, I know Mike's not medical, medically trained, correct? Correct. But you play both sides of the field. Do you see a difference between the EMS medical side of things versus the fire side of things? Like, to, to, is it busier on one side or than the other with people coming to you, I guess, is what my question is? Yes and no. Um, I guess I've seen kind of an even kill as far as people coming to me, but what they come to me with, I've seen difference. Um, you know, obviously on the fire side of things, we see our own unique challenges. Um, the first really bad fire that kind of started me down the road to, to SISM was uh, my first burned up body in a, in a, in a fire, in a fatal. Um, you know, just that image and things that come out of that 
really stuck to me. Things, those things that we see that a lot of times EMS don't necessarily see until after the fact. But then on the other hand, you have EMS who see all the other stuff. You know, the mangled bodies in the car and everything else are dealing with all the, you know, they're dealing with it for a prolonged time. You know, I started out as essentially a first responder on the engine. You know, I get there, do some blood pressures, um, manage, stop the bleed, all those different things, and then EMS show up like, here you go, I'm done. So it it's kind of goes both ways, but it's different, huh. if that makes any sense. It makes sense to me. My, my wife, we've talked about this before, is a nurse practitioner, and um, she's also a paramedic, mm -hmm. and she's also a firefighter. So I absolutely understand what you're saying because we've had conversations where she's actually seen it all the way through. Yeah, She's been with a patient right out of the car, into the ambulance, to the hospital, and then goes to work a couple of days later and actually ends up taking care of the patient there. So yeah. she's been right through the whole stages from start to finish with some patients. So yeah. I, I get it. And there, there's times when for myself and, you know, talking to people I've worked with that when we get done with our patient in that sense, it's probably not the right terminology to use, but when we deliver them to the ED, it's like, okay, we can breathe a minute. I couldn't imagine being on your wife's side and okay, I've delivered them to the ED. Now I've helped in the ED, but now I go back into my other occupation, and there they are again. Mm -hmm. If it's especially a critical patient, or something that you know could be like what we what we what we call in system world the terrible ten, a pediatric trauma or pediatric issue that's major that's critical, and now that's just following or that's just lingering. Yeah, I couldn't imagine that. So, Mike, I, I didn't mean to push you aside in that conversation, but I know you because we work together. Do you do anything with United or the medical staff in Bridgeton at the hospital? I'll drive an ambulance if they need me to, uh, but nothing on nothing the medical on the, side. Nothing what, chaplain way. That's what I was going to ask. I've noticed that uh, the EMS, do you see that the EMS side comes to you guys less often than the fire side? That was my question earlier. Is there a difference? Yeah. Huh. yeah. yeah. Um, just kind of reverberating but a little different. Uh, no. It, no. It, it seemed like fire was more receptive to the chaplaincy at first. Yeah. Because it's, at least from where I come from, it's always been been there. Yeah. Well, firehouse always has a chaplain. Yeah, yeah I think it's, it's, it's kind of part, part of the culture. Yeah, part of the tradition, part of the culture. But EMS has never really had that. So it was a little bit of an educational piece to say, oh, by the way, this is what you do with a chaplain. You don't just feed them three times a day and pat them on the head. <laughs> <laughs> you know, for this particular one, you make sure, make sure you give them coffee all day long um, intravenously. I but, love this. Uh, this is freaking great. <laughs> <laughs> but once that educational piece was there and they understand this is a chaplain, this is what they're there for, and this is how, how you utilize them, it was more of the acceptance. And it, once it's there, once it began to develop, once that, those barriers start to break down, which some of, them were, some of them were pretty big barriers, some weren't. But once that got done, there's no real difference. Can you, um, it, for maybe our three listeners um, <laughs> and... <coughs> maybe one that doesn't know acronyms. Can you just go over some of the acronyms you've been using, like SISM and that kind of stuff, so they understand what that is? Sure. Um, SISM just simply means crit Critical Incident Stress Management. It's a model that technically has been around since the, just after the Civil War. So it's the model itself, the thoughts and theories behind it have been around for well over 200 years um, or 100 years. Um, there's a guy, Jeff Mitchell, 
who really took those models, collapsed them together, put them in a model, put them in capsules that we as first responders, you know, big knuckle dragon hose people can understand and can put them into practice to help each other. The, f the basic foundations of it, and this is what really keyed me into it, especially coming from overseas in, in the military was, I saw it when I came home, I can talk to my wife and I'm sure you've ran into this now that you've gotten into the fireside and as a chaplain, um, it's one thing to listen with a basic form of empathy. You know, you want to relate, you feel sorry, genuinely sorry for the individual and what they've gone through. Mm -hmm. But when you can have that cognitive empathy that you really, I've been there. Yeah. Dude, I understand that. I know that. I remember yeah. a fire I went to. And I remember seeing that, feeling that, touching that, smelling that. It puts it on a whole other plane, and that's the foundation of SISM. Yeah. Like, I, I know Cumberland County has a fantastic team. Um, I'm the chaplain for the Tri-County team, and all of our guys are firemen, policemen, EMS personnel, yeah. mental health people, but all, the, all of our mental health people have been in the field. They've been in one of those public safety capacities. So that's that's the, the long and short of CISM okay. and what it is, what it stands for. Awesome. You kind of touched a second on it, but going back to what Ed said about being comfortable coming to you guys, you're not any different than us. No. It's just how you care about people. Like, I learned a lot about Mike when I first met Mike about some of his hobbies and stuff, and I'm sure you have some too. What are some things that are that you guys like to do outside of the church mm. that can get some people to understand that you are just like us. Well, I never would just admit that like I'm a, like you. Well, <laughs> sorry, not like, not like me per se, nah, if anybody knows me. But. <laughs> so for me, uh, I, I was a, a chaplain with the NHRA National Hot Rod Association in my, my home track, my, you know, my, my track, kind of assignment was Lebanon Valley, New York. And I just did that as a volunteer. So I'm from down south too, Connecticut. You know? Yeah. <laughs> Deep south from here. <laughs> Excuse me. So every Sunday morning I would, I would pack up my supplies, donuts, coffee, different things. And I would head out, you know, hour and 45 minutes from Connecticut to New York to the track, uh, set up shop and have a, an 8 a.m. chapel service in the track tower. And, you know, it started with one person, two people, three people, you know, because it's like, well, you know, I'm not spiritual. Why would I go to a, to a chapel service? And the people began to kind of realize, you know, that this guy who is speaking to us is just a normal person right. who is touching on the spiritual side of life. Yeah. And some of what he has to say is quite interesting, and I'd like to listen to him again. And what we really want, though, as drag racers, is for him to pray for us to win, <laughs> which right. you, don't, you don't get. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah you, you win a drag race based on, on skill and your car and different things. So being a drag race chaplain was literally the most boring thing ever. But I loved drag racing. Uh, I, I would drag race my car, 65 Mustangs, actually parked down the parking I, lot. I saw it pull in and I was like, later, yeah. may have seen that yeah. in the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> so I go, a hobby this led guy? to, wow. I know, right? <laughs> so any smoke shows behind the church in Bridgeton, you know right. where they're coming from. <laughs> but like you said, a hobby led to uh, uh, the chaplaincy at the, at the drag strip. And so for instance, you know, being there and 
just praying that everyone gets down the track safely That's or it. that when it rains and they can't race that when they're racing their golf carts in the mud <laughs> that no one flies off and breaks a leg or breaks their neck or something like that uh hold my beer <laughs> i just think that uh, that's why i wanted you to share that because i think a lot of people look and go well that, he's he's a pastor or a chaplain or a, a whatever other you w- want to call the person reverend right that they're this type of person and that yeah. they don't have anything other than their spiritual side you and it's would nice be to know surprised mm. at how many people after they get to know me are like man i you are the last person i would think right <clears throat> that i would pick out to be the pastor of the church or a chaplain and i'm like all right, I guess. I don't know whether <laughs> Thanks, to be. I guess. Yeah, you know, I thank you or am I offended by that? Right. But no, it's really nice just to be seen as a normal person. Well, if provides else, a service. It, it opens up a conversation. It does. Yeah. You know, it, it, the more hobbies you have, the more you get out and about, the more likely you are to have a conversation. You can, you can just work that in there that that you're available for any oh well that's just you have to be around people exactly and when you're around people a lot of things can and do happen and when for instance you know someone rolls their their drag car down the end of the track and (coughs) uh, suffers an injury that that is sometimes fatal i become crowd control first the last thing you want to do is have a, a racer's husband or wife right. running down the track and watch them bleed out as their car's upside down and on fire or something. Ugh. So we provide that service. And then when all the smoke clears and all the emergency services and everything is done, the people are left to kind of put the pieces together, you know, kind of piece together what just happened. Yeah, and we're there to help you do that. Navigate like, the unknown. Well, it's it's the critical incident debriefing mm. sort yeah, of you know that's that's yeah. the technical term for it, but it's really just just helping people make sense of what just happened, mm. and naturally when something tragic happens, they don't believe in God until something tragic happens, and then they want to blame God. So yeah. that, that leads me into the thing. next thing. Before I move on to Adam wherever you're comfortable with what got you into religion and church and stuff at the beginning how, how long have you been doing that and oh, wow. when you started we talked about the fire side of things but yeah. your your other end how how'd that all begin uh 2001 i went from being a, a carpenter and i don't want to get into too much <laughs> you don't have to whatever whatever get, get into whatever yeah but let's just say the what the way my life was going I would have been either dead or incarcerated before very long. Wow. And I needed to make a change. Wow. And I actually was introduced to a pastor who uh, led me to the Lord, and I, I became a Christian, became a believer, and then you know immediately said, hey, this feels like a calling. This feels like something that I really wanted to pursue. Wow. And just as the next door opened, I just kind of, took each step as God provided and it's been a great ride it's been an awesome ride that's that's awesome thank, I, thank you for sharing I wasn't yeah, raised in a, in a Christian family I wasn't raised you know with, with any faith background and yeah. I had no idea and you've probably heard this before people say you know that the last thing I thought I would be as a pastor I literally the last thing I thought I would be as a pastor or a that's, chaplain or, or have anything to do with anyone's spiritual life right but it's been quite a ride and, uh, I, I've enjoyed every moment of it. 
That's awesome. That's nice. awesome. Yeah, because uh, you know when when Eric said, "All right, we got uh, I got some I got some guys lined up, and we're gonna have some some fire department chaplains." I was like, "Oh shit!" Yeah, I think we all. <laughs> I was we like, all kind uh, of stopped you know, and like, like, what do we uh, what do we do? Am I? Can we do that? Are we allowed to do that? Yeah, like um, they were all worried. I was not. You weren't worried. I, no. I, I actually <laughs> used to. I grew up in the church that you preach at. Oh, yep. Excellent. Uh, I think I can't remember the first pastor that I remember. Maybe Ingle, maybe, and then Ed Boone after Pringle, that. Oh, Kringle. Kringle. There yeah, we go. Yeah, Kringle. And then Ed, and Ed Boone, and then my grandfather is a preacher for the Winthrop Missionary Alliance. Cool. Yep. So I wasn't scared. Well, I, I wasn't scared. I just didn't know if I needed to put on a suit and tie, and you know, like, but to sit across from you guys. Well, I'll be, I'll, I'll totally admit it. I'm kind of like Ed. I, I believe there's a higher power, and I also, I, I don't think that we know everything. Like, I, I have my own feelings about stuff, but I, I do believe a little bit, and I let myself into a chaplain down in Massachusetts where my wife is from, who actually married us. And met him and, and kind of went, this, this isn't what I thought it was. And then the next person was Mike, of course, who I met and then found out he was a drag racer guy. And I was like, okay, this is not what I thought it was going to be. And then Adam's been a student in several of my classes. And I'm like, as soon as we said we were going to do a podcast, it's like, I know who I got to bring in here. And if I could bring Bob up from Massachusetts, I would have had him here to join us too. Because I think you guys are great. Um, and that's why I brought him in today. But shuffling forward to keep on topic, Adam, I'm going to ask you the same questions. How did you start into the religious side of stuff, and what are some of your hobbies that you do outside of the church, if you're willing to share? If you ask my wife that question, I have no hobbies. I work my, <laughs> wa- I work my life away and spend as much time away from her as I can. Um, <laughs> yep, yeah. Speak, speaking yeah. of that, before we go any further, sorry, congratulations on your scholarship. Thank you, sir. Um, definitely poor life decisions. <laughs> I spent 20 years running away from para- paramedic school and now finally doing it. Um, Good for you. No. Uh, Don't do it. Yeah. Right. Right. <laughs> Stay far away. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we've had that discussion a few times where you need to have a trade first and then go back. And yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. How about uh, a carpenter? I know somebody who can train. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. Um, no, obviously, you know, I love to hunt, love to fish, love to get outside, be outdoors. Um, but talking about relating and, you know, um, there's a message I preached. I was just sitting here listening to him and uh, definitely want to check out that car before we leave. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I preached a message at church, I think two years ago now, on pastors are humans too. Because there, there's a stigma, and not just chaplains, but pastors, you know, there's this stigmatism that they're either subhuman or more than human, if I can use that terminology in the sense of they're just they're different. They're kind of they're, yeah. they're not like us. And I, I wanted to lead into that because I knew you was coming to that question. I wanted to lead into it with a story. When I first got my call to preach and felt the Lord leading me that way, I went end up going to a preacher's fellowship down in North Carolina. And I had a bunch of preachers asking me what I did in the military, what I did overseas. And I'm not quick-witted. I'm not smart aleck at all. But I told, I told them just right off the cuff that I killed people. The look on their face was priceless. Huh. But it just, to, real, to understand that we're human. We like to joke. We like to cut up. And that's what I was doing, being smart aleck. But... You know, I still 
I do three gun competitions, two gun competitions. I'm really into firearms, love it. Um, love exercise and love strongman competitions. Um, and I think my hobby now is just getting back into fire service. Yeah. I love it. But what got me was April 1998. Um, I accepted the Lord as my Savior, um, got saved, and then ended up running away from God, getting as far away from him as I could. Um, kind of a similar sentiment. I should have been dead a few times over. Um, and I really believe God used Afghanistan to bring me back. Uh, a lot of the events that took place over there made me realize just how frail. I know that we all can relate to this in some calls that we've been on to say, you know, we've seen the frailty of life. We've seen how quick it can be taken away from you. But when the roles are reversed and you're not looking at it, you are it. Uh, it makes a difference. Mm. Um, and you realize just how frail uh, life really is. It made me realize there's more to this. There, there's more than what I'm doing, that I can do more with the life that I have. And I came back, surrendered my life to the Lord, said, Lord, I know you saved me. I just want to do something for you. I don't care if it's cleaning toilets, I'll do it. Clean a few toilets. <laughs> we all still, still cleaning toilets. Yeah. Still doing that. Yeah. Um, but it wasn't shortly after that, Lord started working in my heart about preaching and uh, ended up meet, meeting a preacher up here that uh, knew, knew my predecessor, knew that he was turning the church over. And um, long story short, uh, ended up coming up to take over Norway Baptist Church in 2014. Nice. Like I said, thank you guys for, for sharing that. Hmm. Yeah. Can I just say a couple of things? Uh, you can jump in at any time you yeah. guys want. So there's a lot of misconceptions about, you know, what a pastor is, what they do, who the chaplain is, what he does. We, we sometimes people hear about the chaplain. They have a preconceived notion of who this person is. Yep. And like the church that I pastor now and preach at, um, when I arrived at this church, I read the, the kind of list of requirements for membership, and I didn't meet any of them. I, I literally wouldn't even be allowed to attend this church 20 years ago. So things, you know, like no smoking, no drinking, no dancing, no Hollywood movies, no, like just no, 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 no. And I'm thinking, man, I, you know, I, re I really enjoy some of those things. Like, I watch Netflix and not Pure Flix. Like, I enjoy drag racing, <laughs> skydiving. Uh, you know, I, 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 I have hobbies. I just like, you know, Adam, I, I You didn't shot. fit the mold. I do, I do not fit the mold still. Mm. You know, I carry a, a 380 Glock <laughs> on me 24-7, basically, uh, because I love guns. I love to mm. shoot. Did an IDPA shoot last Saturday and didn't nice. finish last. That was great. <laughs> so I just learned something. Apparently, well, pastors like guns. Yeah, well, yes. well, it's <laughs> weird because, yeah, like, after yes. people meet you and get to know you, at least for me, not for everybody, they're like, wow, you're the, you're like the polar opposite of what I thought a, a yeah. chaplain or pastor would be. Yeah. And I kind of like that. I, <laughs> I tell my congregation that it's okay to not be okay. There's this weird cosmic you know conception out there that once you believe in god you become perfect if you're a christian you need to be perfect if you know if you go to church you need to be perfect and your life needs to be perfect and nothing can be wrong and everything is great 
you're the best mom, the best dad, the best son, the best aunt or uncle, and just like you do nothing wrong and, and everyone is not allowed to swear in your presence, that sort of thing. And I have just shattered all of those misconceptions <laughs> for people. And I really think that's why I've been accepted in pretty much every realm, the fire department, police department, yeah. you know, in the, in the church community. Yeah, because you're not going to get far in the firehouse if you can't let anyone swear in front of you. You're just well, yeah, it's not going to make it that far. Or, or I'm not. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. you know, one side, yeah. one side will fail there. <laughs> well, that's exactly why I invited you guys in here today to to tell us your stories and to try to break that. That what's the word we're using? The the, the reason. Well, it's almost like they're the they're they're the parent figures, or you get that perception that they're the parents. And we're the children, so it's like, oh, a chaplain coming, and you're like, oh, fuck. Right. <laughs> Don't swear. Don't swear. Act good. You know, wear your Sunday best. Well, that's how I Plus, felt down in Massachusetts when I, met, this, yeah. when I met that pastor. I was in the fire station one day, and they're like, they introduced me to him, and I was like, okay, now i got to be on my best behavior. Like, I've never right. met this guy before. Yeah. And then he turned around and did something, and he ripped out, like, two or three swears. I was like, okay. <laughs> okay, go. I don't yeah. have to be as careful as I thought I did. Yeah. Yeah, the stigmatism, <laughs> that's what I was talking about. That's why I wanted you guys to come in today so you could speak your side and, and hopefully break this. Yeah. Well, it's good to get this an idea belief. of what you do because, yeah. like I said, for, for me it was, I don't know, they come in and pray for us when something bad happens or you know, once a month they come in at a meeting and, and pray for us to to be safe over the next month. You know, like, I didn't know they are available all the time all or the time. they had other services that, you know, we can go and talk to them and, you know... It, didn't know don't know anything yeah. about what you did well, that's what was great about being invited onto the department to become you know one of one of the firefighters so now i'm there all the time and hmm. uh, the, the more people are, are around me and get to know me and they become more comfortable yeah. so there's there's one incident uh on this friday night where uh, a gentleman on a motorcycle you know driving probably too fast uh got in the loose stuff and hit a telephone pole and was dismembered right in front of his girlfriend who was driving the car behind him and uh, showed up on scene and you know you, you know what the scene looks like so immediately I'm thinking I need to be the chaplain not the firefighter so the the person that I kind of immediately went to is the girlfriend because she was just inconsolable and mm. distraught and rightly so so i spent a lot of time with her and you know afterward we we had a critical incident debriefing at the department and one of the guys said something to me that i that i didn't expect because i figured it was you know it was the blood it was the it was the whole you know, seeing it was seeing a leg in the road, you know, seeing, having to, you know, I helped put the body in the bag. Like, I, I, none of that bothers me. Blood doesn't bother me. Death doesn't bother me. I'm very comfortable with it all. And, uh, but he said, the thing that keeps me up at night was the blood curdling scream that I heard from this woman when I showed up on mm. scene. He was first on scene. Yeah. I'm thinking, okay. We've talked about that. Like, yeah. With Ed, like, we know what to do with a body, right? It's just, we know what to do. Something's bleeding, we plug the hole. Right. You know, something's not where it's supposed to be, we try to fix it. 
it's when you get to the emotional aspect of it where I just look at Ed, I'm like, all right, Ed, you're it. I don't know how, if somebody's, like I talked about, like if a grown person's crying, I have no idea what to do. I just go blank. <laughs> but if you have a bullet in you or something, I can fix you. Mm. But if you start crying and you're a grown person, I'm like, I'm done. I'm like, Ed, you're up. <laughs> yeah, the, the physical part of things ends at the scene when it's all cleaned up. The, the, the mental, spiritual, and cognitive part of things is just beginning. Yeah. And that's a, that's, it's a perfect example to show that it can be any one thing for anybody that would, would trigger it. You know? A noise, a smell, and any, yep. any sensory trigger. For, Tr- trigger yeah. is the perfect word for it. Cause yeah. it's for that member, for that member was the scream. Out yeah. of the entire chaos Out of, of that scene, yeah. it was the scream that, that triggered him. But he needs yeah. to know that it's okay yeah. to feel that way. That it's oh, okay to not sleep for a few nights. That it's okay to want to maybe you know have an extra beer or two or, or do... It's like, how do I deal with this now? How do I deal with, with the, the result of these stressors and yeah. this critical yeah. incident? And that's where we come in. Yeah. That's yeah. where so, we're and, trained and everybody's for that. different. Oh, of course. Mm. Like, I've done a ton of fatal stuff over my 26 years in public safety. And luckily, so far, I've never had that instance where I'm like, I get that smell or that look. I can drive by every single place that I've been to with a fatality and I can remember exactly what happened in that spot when I drive by it. When it actually happens, I find myself, me personally, I'm like in this training zone, like I'm so deep into what the situation is that I don't think about exactly what's happening. I just take care of the patient, I move the patient on and then it's afterwards when we're sitting there waiting for the cops to reconstruct or we're packing stuff on the truck when I sit back and go, oh my God, that's, that's when you what start just happened. Yeah. And then me personally, I can't sleep very good for the next two or three days because I keep playing back in my head, should I have done this different? Should I have done that different? If I did this, if I did that, you know, was this person still alive when I got there? Or between the time I got out of my truck and walked up to him, like I play all that stuff in my head and then like two or three days later, we get another call, that one flushes away. Yeah. And now I just move on to the next one. That's me personally how I... I've done it, but luckily I haven't been to anything that's sparked me and go, oh my God, I remember this from way back. But like we're saying, everybody's different. Yeah. I, I know exactly what you're talking yeah. about because I'm, I'm the same way. It's like, it, I'm right here. I got to take care of this. And it's like, just, it's a process. And, and, but then you get to the end and then what? Well, we train so much and we try to do it so realistically that when you're actually doing it for real, it's almost like another training session. You're just yeah. boom, 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 boom. And then when you get done, you're like, oh, oh my God, that Did was I real. Right? That was yeah. real. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That, that was passed? actually a person. That wasn't a dummy in a classroom. That was a real person out on the side of the highway. Right. Which sets me back a little bit afterwards. I'm like, wow. Yeah. And, and so, then when you sit here thinking like right now, it's tw- almost like 26 years of doing it, like I, get, I don't have enough fingers and toes, man. Yeah. Well, the other thing I find sometimes in, in a leadership role is my initial knee jerk is, are you okay? Are, are you okay? What mm-hmm. do you need? What, are you all right? You know, and you never think about yourself. Yeah. And then yeah. three days later, you're like, oh, man, I was there too. <laughs> you <know? laughs> well, that's exactly. No, you're, you're right. That was like the, like the little boy we, we had um, a couple weekends ago. Like, I mean, we were, everybody was there. Everybody was doing something, you know, and, um, you know, we got loaded, sent down the road, and the first thing I do is turn to the cops because they were the first ones there. And uh, he, he's like, 
you know, he, he's a friend of mine, and he's like, that. that's the first time in 20, I don't know how many years, that I was there alone with that kid, and I didn't know what to do. I was like, you did know what to do because he's alive. Yep. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a hand on a shoulder. It's, it's a couple minutes. But, again, you kind of go into robot mode because mm-hmm. we, were, we, were we were having a moment. And then his phone went off, and it was his boss, and they were kind of, you know, they were going through. But, um, and then it was, it was a text message the next morning. Hey, you still good? Like, you know. And so it's, it's I can see how it, it goes full circle. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah, sometimes it takes a moment to digest what was really going on, and, and that's when it can kind of come back. So it's all on how your brain handles things. That's kind of, yeah, it's kind because, like, that's kind of, I feel that's part of my role is once we get the scene taken care of is to make sure that the guys there are taken care of. I think a lot of that, I mean, I can only speak for myself and my own opinion, but I think a lot of it comes in experience. I don't say the, the more you see it, the more you do it, the better you get at it, but you learn in your own head how to get through it. You know, like when I do stuff, I, I realize it's not my fault. This situation happened. I'm, I'm called here to try to help as much as I can at this situation. I didn't make this happen. I feel bad for the people involved, but this had nothing to do with me until I got called here to help fix it. So whatever the outcome is, it's got to be better than if I didn't show up at all. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think somebody that hasn't been doing it long enough would go to something like that and just totally you know, pancake versus somebody that's been doing it for a long time, go, okay, I've, I've done this three, four times. It's another code. It's another this, another that. But the other problem is <laughs> you do it too much and you play that game and tuck it in the back, it becomes just another code or just another thing. And you don't look at the actual person then you've lost or fam. You yeah, lost, you lost the feeling. feeling. You yeah. become detached. Exactly. Yeah. Which can be dangerous. It can. can be real dangerous. I was just going to bounce off of something he said and something a couple of you guys said, if you don't mind. Um, starting with what Eric said, the first fire school I went to in North Carolina, we had an instructor, it's an old Marine Corps guy. He really lived up to that uh, in a lot of ways. But there was something he always drilled into us was the crap has already hit the fan. Yep. That's why they're calling you. There's no need to add to it. Right. And he, he always preached to us, you know, before when you, when you step, step on the truck, stop, take a deep breath, and then get on the radio, do your thing. You know, just step back a second, take the 50,000 foot view. Mm-hmm. And it kind of bouncing off, like I said, what Eric said, that's, that's helped me a lot in some situations that I've been in, is just being able to somewhat detach, but still remain focused on the task at hand. Yeah. But also something that we strive to teach through SISM and through one-on-ones, debriefings, diffusions, whatever we're doing, trying to help people, is whatever you're going through, whatever you're feeling, however you're processing what you've been through, it's a normal reaction to an abnormal situation. Yeah. And one thing that I've always used as illustration is we go around the room with the many years of experience that's here, if you take some of the worst calls that you guys have been on and you take, I, as I came in today, this morning, there was two sweet little old ladies with, uh, stuck out to me because they had speed limit signed shirts on. Oh, yeah. Um, 
if you grabbed one of them and said, here, you go handle that situation. Just grabbed them off the street and said, here, you go handle that situation. How do you think they would react to it? Right. Well, then and, wasn't that a statistic in one of the uh, the uh, mental health classes we just took over in Naples that it was the average person deals with five traumas in their life and mm, the average yeah. first responder does something like 25 in a year? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Something like yeah. that? Well, the, and and the numbers are insane. Absolutely it is. And the thing to remember is the only difference between, you know, the average Joe Blow on the street and us is we have training. We're still human. We're still right. a person. We're still an individual. And we're going to have those reactions, and it's okay to have those reactions. Allow yourself to have those reactions. Allow yourself to go through those processes of grieving, of handling, of dealing with it, letting it come out. And then allow yourself to become normal again. It's okay. Because yeah. sometimes our natural person decides we want to fight that both ways. Mm. Yeah, I think that's a, a big thing is recognition. Mm, absolutely uh, understanding that what you've just gone through is is not you know you, it is normal but it's not normal it's mm. not like you said it's a normal person in an abnormal situation absolutely and uh, I think that's the the situation that or scenario that falls on me that I, I think of when we come into this topic is um, is it last year the year before the fatal fire we had in South Paris mm. with the little boy yep I had two brand new, brand new, like two weeks into the fire service people with me Mm. just rolling out hose when they're pulling this little boy out of the building. And that's why I said that was in my head. The first thing I did was turn to these guys and go, uh, I tried to warn you, you know, (laughs) this, are you okay? Because this is not, this is not something we deal with all the time, Mm. but this is you're going to learn, you know, (laughs) you're learning real quick. Are you all right? Mm. And then it was, yeah, a week later, I was like, oh man, I was there for that too. And then you, you start to digest it. Yeah, absolutely. One of the ones I remember is when I was on the dive team, we had to go to another town for recovery. Uh, A girl coming home from college, this was a week before Christmas, flipped her car off a bridge. They didn't find the car until the next morning. The plow truck's going by, saw the tire sticking out of the river, no footprints on the bank. We go, we dive, we find this individual, we bring her to shore. We don't know if she's traveling home from college alone or with somebody else, so they got to call her parents and ask her, ask them over the phone, like, was she with anybody? Is anybody with her? Like, are we looking for more people? And beat around the bush and not say exactly why we're asking that question until they can get notified over there. But she was, like, a year younger than I was at the time week before Christmas, headed home from college, and I played the game like I always do, just another person doing the thing, totally disconnected, and then my mistake, which I learned for myself, is a couple days later, I read the obituary, Hmm. and then I started to personalize it, and then it locked in that she was my age, I knew there was presents under the Christmas tree with her name on it that she was going home to, and it just all, like, bing, 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 I'm like, oh my god, and it just, it set me back, and like then, then from you that day forward, your own mortality. I did, and yeah. then I realized I'm never reading another obituary again. If I see it on the news, the news is fake anyways. You can't believe half the stuff they put on there. <laughs> but like, I, I just, I'm not, I'm not going to go that deep into my calls anymore because yeah. that did start to affect me because of all those things compounding. The fact that it was Christmas, she was my age. 
and of course, just like everybody, she's like the top star of every sport in school and good at this and good at that. And why did it happen yeah. to the best person in the world kind of thing? Right. And mm-hmm. it just way too many things hit right. home. So the, the PSA here is don't be the highlight of anything because bad things happen. Yeah, yeah. yeah if you're too <laughs> good, bad things happen. Just, I, just I be mediocre. Like, we're like, <laughs> oh, well, why do all the good guys? the good people die and i'm yeah. just all when somebody says that i go we all die yeah i was like some just sooner than the others right i was like relax you'll get your turn oh i have that <laughs> conversation with my wife all the time i was like when you're working at the hospital people die that like bike all the time and eat salads and this and that she's like yep and i'm like okay and that diet today yeah. <laughs> steak and harley it is yeah. that's the bacon <laughs> right yeah trying to put a little humor into this right this you program but we, we all know this is something that we don't talk enough about. We do need to talk more about it. Our own stories, other people's stories, crack some eggs. Yep. Nope. Yeah. Other than John, who just puts it all down and drinks it, it away. All, buries it. Buries it all inside. Yep. <laughs> yep, yep. It all so. comes out in the bagpipes for him. Yeah. That's true. Oh, there you go. That's a good out. Huh? Someone needs to be able to keep their head in stressful situations. Uh, I think... People become first responders, firefighters, police, for whatever reason, a whole bunch of different reasons. But there kind of is a profile of the firefighter, first responder. One of those things that, as chaplains, we try and overcome is that that everyone is okay. You know, you're you're not a man if you need to talk to somebody about how you're Mm. feeling after an event. Or you're less of a woman, you know, if you're not crying or upset at seeing death or destruction or something like that. So, you know, approaching the chaplaincy, I really try as hard as I can just to, one, be a normal person, just an everyday person who is gifted in certain areas, you know, who can help in certain situations. But like, and I'll ask the question, you don't have to answer, but have any of you ever met with a chaplain and talked about, talked about your feelings? Sorry, I'm gonna bring up the F word. Yeah. <laughs> have you have you sought out the chaplain and ever talked to him about the way you're feeling about some of these calls or experiences? No. I'll I'll go first. I I have not. Nope. And I think the reason I have not is because that was not available to me when I was first coming up through in the fire service. Right. The chaplain stuff and the more we've talked about it is more recent, I guess. So I got so used to how I took care of myself that I just never reached out because I didn't think I needed it. To be honest with you, mm. same. Yeah. We were uh, we were brought up that we just buried it and move on. There was no talking about it. Our our chaplain here said a prayer over dinner, and then directed traffic. Yeah, that's well. We used to talk about it within the fire, the group that was on that particular call. Well, we would go out, but it never reached beyond that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We might we might have a have a uh, critical incident debrief. Or well, nowadays like that, I'm talking about. No, well, I mean, we even we did a I few. W- times. I would say that probably back in the early two thousands, it wasn't commonplace. Yeah. But we would we would have we would have um, a, a debrief. But that was like the very beginning of. Yeah, I mean, I the fire service being able to. But have, it wasn't run a by feeling and and the chaplain. No, no, it was a completely separate group, but. That was that was kind of the start of it, and I would say when I started those those after incident um, debriefings almost seemed more like a uh, like a training like a what could we have done better not so much a how do you feel about this it was a 
how do you feel we handled it? Yeah. And then going yeah. forward from there. Uh, I, I hadn't, because as I've said a bunch of times here, I didn't know that, I, I kind of knew that you existed, but I didn't know what you did, what you offered, or that was the appropriate way to use your services. Do you guys have some sort of little program that you put together so you can go to departments and, and explain to them what you do and how you do it and what you're available for? Like, have you done that for your towns that you're, you're in as a program, or have you just kind of let it word of mouth come out? I do have a PowerPoint that I go around and have teach at different departments, but within it, I deal with the chaplaincy role because it is something that, like he said, needs to be more utilized. It needs to get used. It needs to get out there more. Um, but it's really geared more towards critical incident management, uh, pre-planning, pre-incident. You know, what is this? Why do we need it? How do we use it? How do we implement it as a standard of care? But within that is the chaplaincy. Chaplaincy is really the first line of line of defense, if you will, for mental health. Um, I was just looking over the sheet that Eric's so scared <laughs> to death about. He's about, to, he's about to wet his pants when I pulled it out. Um, We're not normally this prepared, right. Mike. <laughs> no, the, the only reason I grabbed it is I kind of figured we might head here just off what you're bouncing some thoughts off of me. Um, and, you know, something that you know, I've just been listening to everybody talk and there's a, there's a phrase that I've heard it up here, and I've heard it down south, and I think it's everywhere. A hundred years of tradition unimpeded by progress. Yeah. And that is not sold on training. That's right. It's the same in mental health. Yeah. It's, it's there. But what's pitiful is, like, you, I've heard you say in some of your classes, the more we progress, the more we stay the same. And that's got to change. Mm -hmm. That's got to stop. Um, I'll start. I'll start at the bottom. In 2007, 115 emergency first responders died by suicide. One's too many. Right. You know, I had a very good friend of mine, a coworker, commit suicide last year. You know, and there's people at the hospital still, in my place of employment, that are still reeling from that, that are still feeling the effects of that. Oh yeah, it doesn't and, go away. No, it doesn't. My best no. friend, Greg Murphy, uh, shot himself. Mm. Yeah, and I'm sure we'd go around the room and some of us can relate to that. Um, yeah. He's not my first coworker or friend that has committed suicide. Um, in 2016, uh, almost 20% of firemen and paramedics had PTSD compared to the general population rate of 3.5. Yeah, some of these numbers are just staggering. I can't even imagine what the numbers are today. Yeah, right. Mm. You know, um, not just in public safety, but as as a world as a whole yeah you know i can't even imagine what that would and be like there may be a current study i pulled these wednesday right before my leadership meeting in the hospital um an ncbi study three current professional firefighters were surveyed with regards to probable ptsd symptoms and of those 15.8 percent of them sought treatment and 29.3 percent reported perceiving perceived obstacles to treatment as reasons for not receiving it and you know what bothers me there is that that means 85 percent of the people didn't you got it kudos Absolutely. to that 15 percent but that's where we need that 85 yeah. is where we need to be concerned that that's exactly where i said chief yeah. absolutely yeah. 
and that's that's kind of where I, I'm in 100% agreement with Chaplin here is we've got to change that. And back to your question, I know I, I went a little different direction, but you know that's I I love teaching it. I I welcome to teach it anywhere I can because we need to change it, and it starts with education. Like like you said, well, me a million times. All, all of us I sitting at this table agree, and that's why we have you here today. We're well, just what can we do to to help push the, the process? The last year, we we always seem to fall back on mental health. This is the first time that you guys have ever come up on this topic. Yeah, right. It's true. You mm. know, yeah, it's the the first time I recognize you guys as a resource. I didn't know that was a thing. Yeah. So. And it, and I know I'm probably going to get some evil looks, but it's not necessarily your fault. It's not necessarily leadership's fault. It's a lack of education. Yeah, right. it's, yeah. it's what we talk about with, with all of this. And, you know, what did you just say? There's 26% that, that saw an obstacle in the way? Yeah, 29.3, yeah. 29, so we'll call it 30. Sure. So that's 70% that don't see an obstacle at all, which means the only thing they're missing is... The information on how to get it yep. there you know there's something else that kept it from happening it, it could be a number of things it could right. be they don't they don't see they don't they may not see the need they may just compartmentalize it kind of that old school mentality i just shove it down i got to be the the big tough guy that you know i don't talk about it if i talk about it i'm weak whatever and those are things we have to overcome yeah. we've so. talked a little bit about that as, as an instructor we talked about how we need to talk more about ptsd and that type of stuff within our programs I think having a chaplain component being a, a level in the, f the public safety service should be a component in our programs that we teach from now on. Mm. Myself, <clears throat> if there's any program I'm teaching from this day forward, I'm definitely going to have a, some sort of component to make sure that my people know that that resource is there and what that resource is. Absolutely. Doesn't the, does the state have... I don't know if it's like a part of MS Triple F or I thought there was some sort of public safety group of chaplains. There's there's a small um, I'm not sure if it's like a, a state group, but I'm trying to remember the guy's name. I, I see his face. And I know him, um, but he began it, and it's a group of chaplains that have just gotten together to try to help with situations and just be available but i don't think they're actually a state component i think they're just a separate individual maybe that's group. that's something that again i think the only time that i've heard of something like that is a line of duty death yeah. or mass casualty yeah. or something like that that I, i've heard of uh, a state state program of chaplains or any sort of um spiritual like outreach or whatever yeah um under the Maine Fire Chiefs Association, there is Fire Captains of Maine. Chap captains? Fire Chaplains? <laughs> yeah, that's what I said. No, that's not what you said. You sure said captains. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the part I'll be editing out. Do you smell toast? Do you smile for me? <laughs> the Although every position is vacant. The gentleman's name I was looking for is Jared Blake. Yep, that's yep. him. Yep, Maine Fire Chaplains. Yep. That's so, what I was thinking. so they're actually you know, a main state entity now, or it's part of the main fire chiefs. Okay, all right. So, you know, that's because I knew maybe Michael, we need to bolster that. And, mm, and Mike Watts from Standish just went through a fire chaplain course, and I thought it was through Jared Blake. That's why that's the only thing that kind of 
I knew I'd seen it. I just yeah. couldn't remember where. I don't. I don't know anything about it. I don't know what you have to do to be a chaplain. Like, is that a, another class on top of what you guys already do to become a pastor? Like, I, I know nothing we, about that. It we depends. Ta- yeah, we don't necessarily have to, but there is a fire certified. I, I know there's a pro board. There's also I know I say it wrong, but IFIX or whatever it is, like North Carolina and a couple others use. There is a can course for fire chaplaincy. <laughs> And that's what Jared does a fantastic job with it. I've attended two so far. One was the the law enforcement side of things. That was uh, Kevin Brooks, I believe is his name, and another gentleman. And that was led at the Criminal Justice Academy. That was a two-week program. That was really good. Uh, The other one was specifically for the fire department that... Chief Garland, I don't know. I don't remember. That's I, I did a lot of drugs when I was young. <laughs> yeah, I just don't remember like, stuff like I, I should. <laughs> they they were really good courses and well attended. Uh, but but like you know we we know that it's it's out there but not enough. Yeah. You know the education part of things, the exposure part of things really needs to to be out there a little more. And, and, you know, I may be not personally to blame, but someone like me, I went down to talk with uh, some of the members of the police department when they first recruited me as the chaplain. I basically said, you know, I I won't be up your ass. If you need me, I'm here, that sort of thing. I'm I'm a silent person. I'm, you know, I'm here if you need me, but I'm not going to get in your business. Yeah. If I do a ride along, I know I'm in your your traveling office. I know when I'm with you, I'm not a police officer. You know, I I, I don't <laughs> pretend to be or whatever. So it's not that you know police or, or fire anyone could be standoffish when it comes to the chaplain, but there's still a little uneasy feeling about having the chaplain mm. in your vehicle with you <laughs> or, or or having him. But I guess, the more the more around but we're trying to do the best we can to educate people as to who the chaplain is what he does and 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 the resources available and you know it's there for you yeah i was gonna say the more facetime you have with them then it really does help yeah because it it turns into it turns into mike and not the chaplain oh definitely kind of Mm. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Same for you too. Yeah. They yeah. drop their guards. Well, and I know yeah. some places well, have they just chap- become more comfortable. Some places have chaplains that are just specifically that and don't get involved with the actual agency that they work for, which both of you guys are involved, which I think makes a huge difference for you. Yeah. I mean, I know you're operating engines and stuff and britching a lot, running the calls yeah. more than some of the other guys. Yeah. Like that's, I think that's a huge difference because those guys do see you all the time and not as just the chaplain, but as a, a brother or sister right. in the same group. Right. Um, we've asked you a bunch of questions today, but you guys came in. Do you have anything you want to say, like to reach out to any of our listeners or to us or just anything you want to we talk try, about? We try and do a PSA on every, yeah. on every podcast, so uh, we'll let you guys run with it if you want. PSA? Personal situational awareness. <laughs> you Public asked, service announcement. Oh, yeah. I was going to say, you asked him to. You want to talk about something going to your church? You're going to have a chicken barbecue or something? Yeah. Or service no. Any, anything, anything you want to say that, I mean, we've been firing questions at you. Is there anything you want to fire back at us or our listeners? 
Except for John, because he's going to leave right now. <laughs> yeah, that's why I chose my time to leave. I don't want to be. <laughs> John, I'm not afraid of them. I'm just, when they're going to talk to us, I'm going to leave for a little bit. <laughs> uh, I guess I would say if you're in a situation where you're part of any organization that has a chaplain, at least just take a few minutes to talk to the person, he or she, and just get to know who they are and, and maybe what they offer, why they're there, that sort of thing, and, and kind of break the ice mm. and, and just at, at least that. Because we are a valuable resource and, and mm. we're not, we, we, should, we shouldn't be, you shouldn't be afraid of us or intimidated by us. You or, shouldn't be the last resort. Shouldn't be the last resort. Oh, absolutely. What, yeah. do you, what do you recommend for somebody that belongs to a group that does not have a chaplain? Like, would do you guys entertain people from other agencies, or you specifically just talk to people from the ones you work with? I've opened myself up that if if I can be of help anywhere, I will. And I, I would assume he's the same way, but um, I don't limit myself. If there's there's a need, I try to help. It's kind of that first responder mentality. And do you guys have like a, a network of, you know, say say Casco needed needed someone and I called Mike or I called Adam and you guys weren't available is there somebody you know do you have like a network of people that you can call and not, I, not I do, that I know I, I do have a fistful of people that I can call and recommend yeah 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 okay I mean I know like Rick Mowry from Otisfield you know Rick is uh I guess technically the chaplain and also emergency medical uh you know, if I wasn't available, there are people I could call. Yeah. yeah. But I'd put myself out there to whatever organization I do work with, uh, counseling centers, hospital, a uh, couple other areas that, you know, if they need a chaplain and they call American Legion, you know, stuff like yeah. that. If they're doing an event for Memorial Day or they need a chaplain for an invocation or just something like that. You know, they'll, they'll call around to the churches looking for a pastor, not necessarily a chaplain. Yeah. So I just don't think that they know that we're out there. Right. Mm. Sometimes. So, yeah, nice. getting, the, getting the word out there yeah. that there's, a, you know, there, there are chaplains, but there's no directory. No. Yeah. Where you can go, you know, or, or call a phone number or go online to find this directory of chaplains. I don't think that exists. I yeah. think it should, but it doesn't. I think the closest thing you'd find would be um, that Maine Fire Chaplains has a Facebook page. Yeah. You could yeah. probably reach out to Jared and he can, you yeah. know. Well, if any of our listeners out there do have a situation that they want to take care of or reach out to us and we can help you find those resources if they're not available in your agency is pretty much what I was getting at. Yeah. There, there's other avenues, so. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And I, we mention it quite a bit and we can't stress it enough that, um, you know, we, we always tell people to reach out with us questions for the show, but we are actually physical people here. So if you need something from us, you, you can reach out. Yeah, don't, mm. don't yeah, be we'll, afraid. We're kind of a silly resource, but we're, we're a resource. <laughs> we, <laughs> we, 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 we know a lot we'll, of people. So. We'll figure it out. Yeah. Well, you know a lot of people. I just between, between the four of us, we could probably find you what you're looking for. Right. right. Yeah, don't call me. <laughs> <laughs> so do you have anything else, Mike? Anything else? You? No, I think that's just come to church on Sunday and 
I don't remember inviting any of you to church. <laughs> you're, you're more than welcome. I don't think we fit the package according I, to the I rules you said. The application. I don't think any of us. I think be. all of you would fit in just fine at my yeah. church. I don't think it'd catch fires as we walk in the door. That's one but thing that I, I said to myself that I'm not going to be that person. Good. I'm not going to be a Bible thumper. I'm not going to. To, to take advantage of the chaplaincy to recruit for my church. It's just not, it's, yeah. that's just not cool. Seriously. I, I think that's an important note too, mm-hmm. you know, because again, that's, that was my view of a chaplain was always, it's a heavily religious thing. And, uh, I just don't fit the bill for that. Do you feel it was going to get care. pushed on you? Not even that it was going to get pushed on me, but that it wasn't what I was looking for. I wasn't looking for God's answer to this. I was looking for, you know, if I was reaching out and using that resource in the way we've discussed it today, I'm looking for a way to cope with what I'm dealing with, not a new avenue or, or anything like that, you know, if that makes any sense. You're not looking to be reborn. Yeah, I'm you're not. You're just looking and, for. I mean, I, I You're know looking that, for an ear. I, I know that. As a kid, I went to church. I couldn't tell you what church I went to. I don't know what denomination it was or whatever. I, I, so <laughs> I, I couldn't even tell you if we went down that avenue what I, what I believe, I guess. It would be open more questions than answers, I guess, would, would have been my concern, go, reaching out to that resource. But as I've said a bunch of times now, I wouldn't even have known to reach out to you for that reason. Yeah. I just thought it was hmm. like the, the church portion of the, the, the fire service. And so like you can only talk to the chaplain if you're religious and, and you, yeah, kinda, your, yeah. you know, it's absolutely to- interesting. Monologue totally <laughs> not that. Yeah. I'm not sure if it was insulting or informative. <laughs> I, would, I, think I would think a lot of, cha- <laughs> I would think a lot of, a lot of chaplains would, tend to agree with this at least uh, chaplains that actually care um, I have where I stand and what I believe and where I'm not going to move I just it's where I'm going to stand but I'm not here to indoctrinate you I'm here to be a resource I'm here to be a help and I'm here to give you two ears and two shoulders and I'll bring a bucket of tissues if I need them whatever, whatever we'll, right. we'll get her done if the conversation goes that way, I'm a resource on both sides. Right. I've had those questions, you know, well, why did God allow this to happen? Why did God do this? You know, okay, I'm a chaplain. Let's do it. Let's, let's go down that road. Well, I just, I need, I, I can't get over this. I can't handle this situation. All right, let's go down that road. Let's do yeah. this. And that's where a true good chaplain is going to be able to bounce in and out of the different avenues and be able to have the dichotomy mm. to work within That's that field. A big freaking word. <laughs> we didn't give them the, those rules. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> big words. You're there to give the person what they need. I didn't exactly. get that. Right? It's not to about meet, you. It's yep, about them. To meet the need. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Love to, it. Um, to meet the need. Yeah, exactly. Perfect. Meet, meet the and need. Like, and like yep. with my role within the hospital, I can't legally talk about where I stand and what I believe unless you open the door. Right. right. Yep. So I don't. I, I'm here to help you. I'm here to meet your need, and I will to the best of my ability. Yeah. That's awesome. One thing that I have found that 
pretty much everyone is receptive to is prayer. Mm. Mm-hmm. I don't think I've ever asked somebody, hey, do you mind if I pray with you? And they said no. So that, that's one thing. Yeah. And, and that, again, is across all faith barriers. You know, I yeah. don't say, hey, can, can, we have a, can we have a prayer where you're going to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? No, I wouldn't do that. I was like, you're, you're distraught. You have a lot of questions. You're, you know, you're physically, mm. emotionally, spiritually distraught right now. Yeah. Can I pray with you? I can't remember anyone saying no. Yeah. So that, that's, that's a minimum, at least, that I like to pray with people mm. in their moment of greatest yeah, distress. Absolutely. So, yeah. yeah, absolutely. I like that because we focus and we've talked about a lot about physical and psychological, but we've never covered spiritual. We haven't covered, covered the full triangle. Yeah. So. I mean, we are all a spiritual being. Hmm. It's just a matter of how know, we became that what is the question that that everyone has is like well what part of me is spiritual what does that mean you know is it because you, you could be buddhist you could be hindu you could be christian you could be jewish there's a lot of religions there's there's and there's a lot of denominations within that too yeah. so i think that's the good thing about the chaplaincy is that be, just because adam and i are both christian doesn't mean that we can't talk to you or explore beyond those faith barriers now i don't know much about islam um well i know a little bit i'd say i don't know anything about it. i don't know much about buddhism i don't know much about the hindu religion i don't know much about you know other religions so i will tell people like i always do they ask a question i don't know the answer to i just say i just don't know yeah. i really just don't know i'd love to be able to answer that question but i don't know if you ask me something I do know, I'd be more than happy to tell you. Right. Uh, but being honest with people is always good. Mm. Really is. So right. we cover everything on that paper or what? <laughs> <laughs> I'll leave it how, here how for you. How would I know if I had PTSD? Where's the... <laughs> we, we, we did that through one episode. It was a big mistake where we started listing off signs and symptoms of what was it chronic fatigue uh oh, ptsd and yeah. we're like we just need to stop yeah <laughs> we were all we checked every boxes. box didn't yeah. i know it's, yeah. and we're like oh that. lord <laughs> and we're like and substance abuse the chief was like Shh, what no. <laughs> adam how was oh, yeah see there you go yeah, that, there it is adam how was your purchase did you follow through with your purchase we got halted the okay. uh the bank ended up making a mistake so as we were working through that, somebody came in under us. Oh. I was telling these guys earlier, I was like, it's the funniest thing. And Adam's been in the bridge class that I've been doing over in Freiburg. And uh, one day he, he told us, he's like, I'm not going to be able to come in on this certain, this certain day. And I was like, why? And he goes, because I'm buying a church. I'm like, well, that's quite an excuse to get from a student. <laughs> it's right. like, you never hear that in your classes. It's like, oh, sorry, I'm going to have to be absent because I'm buying a church. Like, who does that? I just, I thought that was kind of, in my 26 years of, of doing this and all my years of teaching, that's I mean, the first time I've had that excuse. That. Never never heard that. Dog ate my homework. No, I'm buying a church. Like, really? <laughs> I'm glad I could do something for you. <laughs> I just, that was, that was good. That's, that's another thing to check off my my list i had a uh, philosophy class that if you had a good excuse they'd push your date back that would have been a good one oh, yeah. <laughs> there you go. well then the, then the sad part was he didn't show up the day that he told me he wasn't going to come and me numbing it with all the stuff that i had going on i still texted him like where are you, are you late he's like no i'm buying the church i'm like 
oh, oops, so, <laughs> sorry. <laughs> oh. That's awesome. Well, thank you guys for coming today. Yes, thank you for um, having me. Uh, on behalf of the four of us, I think we'd love to have you back another time if you have more to talk about. I think this is definitely not mm. a one-time thing for us. Yeah. More importantly, um, leave your cards with the chief because we may yeah. call you. Yeah, yeah, yeah I'd be Absolutely. happy to. Um, and one last thing: is there anything else you guys get to say before we close this out? Are you good? Or? I would just say that if we could, there's an obvious shortage of first responders everywhere, mm. and as a you know department-wide, statewide, countrywide, nationwide, we all need to do the best we can at promoting not only fire safety but but also our departments and seeing new people younger people hopefully come in and get involved in the fire service and and you know first responders it, it's more critical now i think than ever mm -hmm. you know now being in the fire service i have the greatest respect which i didn't really even know what the fire service was all about or you know police other than having to run from them a lot of times <laughs> so whoever's listening awesome. uh you know can consider being a volunteer or or promoting friends family anyone yeah. is is get in there and let's get this job done Let, let's save lives and and property and the environment the best we can Thanks, Mike. Adam? I echo what he said and uh, kind of go in a little different direction, but um, not really getting a lot of recruits nowadays, so we really need to take care of the ones we got. Yeah. Um, and I think, and I'm really appreciative that Eric hit us up, even though for me he was scraping the bottom of the barrel. I'm glad he got Mike. Um, <laughs> but this is a topic that really needs to be dealt with, and I'm very appreciative that you guys are willing to do it and willing to put it out there. Um, but we really need to focus a lot in on burnout, mm. PTSD. You know, there's a real big topics. So that's something I'm dealing with at the hospital right now in my new role is helping mitigate those burnout tasks. And I would be more than happy if there's any department heads listening, I'd be more than happy to come out and teach that pre-incident class that I do for SISM. Yeah. It really helps those things. And just Done. in any way I can, any way I can help. I think that's good for the fall. It. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, burnout burnout is the is almost it's probably more concerning than getting staffing at this point mm, absolutely um and no matter what know, level problem. you're at right now we're all feeling it well the problem political is level operations level leadership level we're all feeling some sort of burnout it's right? just and we're struggling to keep the people we have that's yeah. exactly it. because they they've are, been used and abused the last two and a half years yeah, yeah. and no one wants to do it anymore i don't right. blame them I know the places I work in the one department I'm a chief officer at, but our guys are extra crispy. Yeah. 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 Oh, same here. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, we'll go from uh, from heroes to being villains because we won't get a get a shot. But hmm. that's hmm. probably well, for let's another not day. Go there. <laughs> All right. Every podcast gonna turn back to Ed's yeah. favorite thing. Yeah. <laughs> throw something in there. Well, so. shameless plug. You guys can uh, have them listen to us. We cover it again and again and again. You know, maybe something we say will spark something with somebody, or the amount of times we've brought up different resources that might be new to them. So, uh, any chance you get to. Um, tell somebody to listen to us or just more resources the better so the further reach we get the better for us too yep 
yeah, and clean absolutely. your dryer vents. <laughs> so one last thing. Happy Father's Day to all the dads all out there. Yes. yes. Keep forgetting it's Father's oh, yeah. Day. Yeah. It's tomorrow, right? It is tomorrow. Okay. <laughs> Ooh, the way day. you guys said it, I was like, that's not today. That can't be today. <laughs> no, no, no. I don't so, know. But, uh, yeah, just happy Father's Day, and thanks for all the dads and stepdads and dads who weren't technically your dad, but were your dad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.